The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, Women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to History Tea Time. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. In one of my favorite novels, 112263 by Stephen King, a schoolteacher stumbles upon a door to the late 1950s. After the shock wears off and he enjoys some apple pie with real ice cream, he sets out to do what many have considered in time travel daydreams, stop the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. When he succeeds in his quest, he finds that the new timeline he has created is greatly altered, and not for the better. Assassinations in history are both tragic and compelling. It is rare that such a singular event, often perpetrated by otherwise insignificant political outsiders, can have such far-reaching effects. Assassinations not only end lives, they can change regimes or start world wars. And the results are often not what the murderer had hoped for. One has to wonder how the world might have been different had the assassin's plan not gone perfectly and a life not come to a violent end. Today, let's examine the assassination of four royals from different eras in history. We'll find out why they were targeted, how their murders went down, and what political tides were altered by their untimely deaths. And now, without further ado. Four Royal Assassinations Assassination the murder of a prominent person, often for political motives. These calamities shock the world and can change the course of history. But as we will learn from the following shocking accounts, violence can only beget more violence, and the aspirations of assassins have a tendency to backfire, provoking even more outrage, heartache, and death. Let's take a look at four royals whose lives were cut suddenly short by assassination. King Henri III of France was the third surviving son of King Henri II and Catherine de' Medici and was not expected to inherit the French throne. His father was killed in a jousting accident when a splintered lance struck him in the eye. 
eldest brother, Francois II, inherited the throne at 15. He was married to teenage Mary Queen of Scots, but he died of an ear infection just one year into his reign, leaving the throne to the next brother, nine-year-old Charles IX. Charles ruled for 14 years over a kingdom increasingly rife with violence. Catholics, led by the powerful Duke of Guise, were persecuting Protestants known as Huguenots. The French Wars of Religion raged for 30 years. One path of peace considered was a marriage between the king's younger brother, 19-year-old Henri, and 37-year-old Protestant queen Elizabeth I of England. However, Elizabeth famously rejected all of her suitors and remained unmarried. A union was instead arranged between the king's sister, Margaret, and Huguenot Henri III of Navarre. Under a banner of peace, prominent Huguenots came to Paris to celebrate the nuptials. As they nursed their hangovers, Catholic soldiers spread around the city and suddenly attacked. Somewhere between 5 and 30,000 Protestants were murdered during what became known as the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. The bloodshed took a toll on King Francois' mental health, and he died of tuberculosis at the age of 23. This meant the throne now passed to 22-year-old Henri. At the time, he was in the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, where he had been elected king in exchange for French protection against Russia. But he dropped everything and rode to Paris, where he was crowned king. The day after his coronation, he married Louise of Lorraine. But ten years of marriage later, the couple had no children. King Henri was more interested in his male lovers, whom he called his minions. He also had many enemies. In addition to the Catholic League and the Protestant Huguenots, Henri's own brother, Francois, Duke of Anjou, rose up against him. Francois was even more trouble when he died. With no male heir left in the royal family, the next in line to the throne was a distant Protestant cousin, Henri of Navarre. Thus ensued a succession crisis, with the different factions putting forth their own alternatives for air. Catholics rose up in Paris, barricaded the city, and refused to take orders from anyone but the Duke of Guise. Henri invited Guise to visit him, but he had him stabbed to death by the royal guard. At the same moment, eight other members of the Guise family were hacked to death by the king's men. Horrified by the massacre, the Catholic League forced the king to flee Paris, but he returned with an army set on retaking the capital. On August 2, 1589, while camped outside Paris on the night before the attack, an emissary entered the king's tent. He claimed to have a secret message for the king's ears only. But when the royal guards allowed him to approach, the messenger stabbed Henri in the stomach. The assassin, who was actually a Dominican friar, Jacques Clement, wanted Henri replaced with the Catholic king. The royal guard killed him on the spot. King Henri, as he lay dying, made his guards swear to protect his rightful heir, Protestant Henri of Navarre. 
the attack on Paris was halted, and the people of the city rejoiced, proclaiming the king's death as an act of God. Henri of Navarre converted to Catholicism in order to win back Paris and the throne of France. But he himself was later assassinated by another Catholic fanatic in the continued cycle of violence. Empress Myung Sion of Joseon, Korea, was known in her lifetime as Min. She was selected as the wife of Emperor Gujong when the pair were teenagers. The young emperor and empress were expected to be easily controlled by the regent, Prince Dao Wong, and other counselors who really ran the country. But beautiful men surprised the court as rather than occupy herself with fashion and parties as her new husband did, she had a keen mind and political ambitions. She gave birth to a son, but the baby died four days after birth. She suspected her enemies at court may have poisoned her with a ginseng tonic, causing the child's demise. Prince Dawong accused men of infertility and encouraged the emperor to have an heir by one of his concubines. Men conspired against Dawong, claiming that the emperor, now 22, was old enough to rule on his own. She forced him from court along with her husband's concubine and their son. She took control of the imperial court and placed those loyal to her in high positions. She was proclaimed queen regent and ruled alongside her husband, but was in reality far more politically active. She invited in Western missionaries and implemented many innovative ideas to benefit her people. She patronized the first newspaper in the empire and the establishment of schools for wealthy, poor, and female children. She sponsored the introduction of Western medicine, agriculture, and manufacturing, and modernized the military. In 1895, the Asian superpowers, Japan and China, went to war over influence in Chuseon, Korea, and Japan came out victorious. Empress Min was against Japanese control over her country and wanted to ally with Russia to keep Japan out. But her old rival, Prince Daoang, back at court and gaining power, was pro-Japanese. In the middle of the night, on October 8, 1895, 50 Japanese soldiers invaded the royal household. Several of the guards were killed in the skirmish. Emperor Gujong and Min's only surviving child, 21-year-old Crown Prince Sunjong, tried to distract the assassins to allow Empress Min to escape. The soldiers beat and cut the hair of several court ladies, killing two. They found Min running from the palace and murdered her brutally with swords. As she died, she called out to her son to ask if he was safe. The soldiers took her body into the woods and burned it. News of the Empress's brutal death outraged the Korean people, and they rose up to fight the Japanese. Prime Minister Ito Hirobumi was assassinated in retaliation. Emperor Gojong and Crown Prince Sunjong fled to Russia, but were invited back to establish the Korean Empire in 1897. Prince Daoong, now in disgrace, died the following year. The emperor had his wife's remains reburied in the royal tombs of Hunong, 
as part of a grand funeral and changed her name in death to Empress Myung Seong, meaning woman of renown. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria was the nephew of Emperor Franz Joseph I. Like most male royals, he joined the army and shot up the ranks, eventually being appointed Inspector General of the Imperial Military. When the Emperor's only son, Prince Rudolf, committed suicide, Franz Ferdinand became heir presumptive to the Austro-Hungarian throne. Franz Ferdinand fell in love with lady-in-waiting Sophie Chotek, but as a member of the Habsburg royal family, he was forbidden to marry anyone less than a royal. He had to renounce their future children's claim to the throne before he was allowed to marry Sophie. The couple had three children. The likely future emperor was an unpopular man, seen as angry, violent, and reckless. He was especially fond of hunting and shot some 270,000 animals in his life. His vision for the future was one of consolidated power in the hands of the emperor. He saw Slavs and Jews as less than human and referred to the Serbs as pigs. In 1908, the Austrian Empire annexed Bosnia infuriating Bosnians who wanted to unite with other Slavic nations. This was yet more kindling on the larger fire of tension between the greatest powers of Europe. In June 1914, Franz Ferdinand and Sophie visited Sarajevo, the capital city of Bosnia. They were well aware of the venom and possible violence against them, but carried on anyway. Before the journey began, the Archduke joked that down there, they will throw bombs at us. On the morning of June 28, 1914, the royal motorcade took off on a tour of the city. Lying in wait were seven assassins, members of the revolutionary movement Young Bosnia. They had been armed with grenades and pistols by the secret society known as the Black Hand. One of the assassins threw a grenade at Franz Ferdinand's car, but it bounced off the hood and into the following car where it detonated, wounding two of the Archduke's men. The Archduke and Duchess proceeded to the governor's mansion, where they heard several speeches. But rather than continue with the planned tour, the royals decided to visit the wounded men at the local hospital. In the confusion about where they were going, their driver took a wrong turn down a side street. 
By chance, the royal motorcade happened to pass a cafe in which Gavrilo Princip, one of the failed assassins from the earlier bombing, was drowning his disappointment. As the Archduke's car idled in the street, Princip instantly seized his opportunity, walked across the street, and fired at the royals. Sophie was shot in the stomach, then Franz Ferdinand in the neck. As the bleeding couple were rushed to the hospital, Franz Ferdinand uttered, Sophie, dear, don't die, stay alive for our children. Franz Ferdinand's attendants tried to stop the bleeding, but were unable to access his wound as his uniform had been sewn shut to make it appear neater. The royal couple bled to death on the way to the hospital. Gavrilo Princip was arrested. He was 27 days shy of his 20th birthday, so escaped the death penalty. But he contracted tuberculosis due to the terrible prison conditions. The disease ate away at his bone, and his right hand, the one he had used to shoot with, had to be amputated. He died at 23. Franz Ferdinand and Sophie were laid to rest in Austria, and there was very little mourning for the unpopular Archduke. But Austria used the murder of the heir to their throne as an excuse to invade Serbia. Germany backed them, and Russia, France, and the UK backed Serbia. Franz Ferdinand's death was the spark that ignited the powder keg of growing tension between the great powers of Europe, exploding into World War I. Ironically, had Franz Ferdinand lived, he might have been the man to prevent the war. Despite his prejudice, his utmost goal was to preserve the empire. He wanted to avoid war with Russia at all costs and was open to unifying the Slavic people as a third part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. In the wake of his assassination came the deaths of 20 million people on the battlefield. Louis Mountbatten, 1st Earl of Burma, was a great-grandson of Queen Victoria. His aunt was Tsarina Alexandra of Russia and among his sisters was a queen of Sweden. His father changed the family name from the German Battenberg to the English Mountbatten at the outbreak of World War I. Royally well-connected young Louis embarked on a career in the Navy and served in World War I. In the roaring 1920s, he was among the bright young things. He and his wife Edwina spent most of their marriage in other people's beds. The couple had two daughters, Patricia and Pamela. His sister, Alice, married Prince Andrew of Greece and Denmark. But in 1922, the King of Greece was forced to abdicate and the royal family was banished from the country. Alice suffered mental health problems and was institutionalized. Her youngest child, seven-year-old Philip, was sent to England to be raised by his grandmother. The young prince grew to see his uncle Louis as a surrogate father, especially as he rarely saw his own father who lived in France. During World War II, Louis was appointed Supreme Allied Commander in Southeast Asia. He oversaw the recapture of Burma and Singapore from the Japanese and was created Earl of Burma. Louis continued to guide his nephew Philip's naval career and his love life. He arranged a meeting with Princess Elizabeth, the heir to the throne, and the pair hit it off. 
When they married in 1947, Philip became a British citizen and legally took his maternal family name, Mountbatten. Louis was thrilled that the new royal dynasty would bear his name, but the royal family decided that they would keep the name Windsor. Louis was appointed the last British Viceroy of India. He oversaw the partition of India and Pakistan and the transition of India from a possession of the British Empire to an independent nation. Next, he served as first Sea Lord and Chief of the Defense Staff and was the longest serving head of the British Armed Forces. Louis kept close ties with Prince Philip and the royal family and became a confidant and father figure to Charles, Prince of Wales. On August 27, 1979, 79-year-old Louis was vacationing with his family at his summer home, Classibon Castle, in the seaside village of Mullamore, Ireland. He, his daughter Patricia, and her husband and twin sons, Nicholas and Timothy, went out lobster potting on Louis's boat, the Shadow Five. When they were a few hundred yards offshore, IRA member Thomas McMahon detonated a 50-pound radioactivated bomb he had hidden on the vessel the night before. Louis's 14-year-old grandson, Nicholas, and 15-year-old crew member, Paul, were killed by the blast. Everyone on board suffered serious injury. Louis was pulled out of the sea by local fishermen. He was still alive, but his legs were blown off. He died before reaching shore. The Irish Republican Army, or IRA, claimed responsibility for the attack in protest of the British occupation of Northern Ireland. But rather than retracting their troops, the British government began to more directly oppose the IRA in the wake of Louis's death. Bomber Thomas McMahon was arrested and convicted. After serving nine years, he was released in 1988 as part of the Good Friday Agreement, which ended hostilities in Northern Ireland. Louis Mountbatten was buried at Westminster Abbey and eulogized by Charles, Prince of Wales. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. I'll be putting out new episodes every Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos, unburying some of my favorite hidden gems, and adding even more fascinating information for your listening pleasure. Want some visuals with your history? Then check out my YouTube channel, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, where you can find hundreds of videos about queens of the world, royal history, women's history, and more. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like Queen's Podcast, Ancient History Fangirl, Redacted History, and more.